0: Welcome to this week's episode of Sepay <laughs> all Day. I'm Dylan.
1: And I am Aaron, and this week we have a very special guest. This
0: week is doubly special because Aaron and I are in the same room. This is our first podcast where we're in the same room.
1: Yes, so that's super exciting. Uh, <laughs> Oklahoma is Oklahoma is slowly opening back up and uh, we have a special one. So we got Todd Hagopian and the Todd Father
0: himself. Yes. this is, this is a good interview. We had a great time talking to Todd. Uh, and so without further delay, here is our interview with Todd Hagopian. Current candidate for Oklahoma Corporation Commission and a Libertarian Party activist here in Oklahoma. Hi, Todd. Thanks for joining us this week.
2: Hey, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: So we want to we wanna start. I got I to gotta ask, given that you, you, know, you call yourself a libertarian activist, every, everyone we have on here, we always want to know, how did you get started in politics and how did you get to this point where you, you call yourself a libertarian?
2: Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, I was a pretty hardcore Republican growing up. I grew up in Ann Arbor, Michigan, which is a very democratic city. And when you're a Republican in a Democratic city, you kind of get real sharp elbows, and you um, you pretty much fight back anytime anybody's talking politics. And so I swung all the way to the to the furthest right wing you can imagine for a long time. And during the George Bush years, I was pretty pro Bush. And towards the end of his uh, reign, when when the wars weren't going well and we we're still over there and people were still dying, I really got disillusioned. And then when Obama won, it was even worse because then all of a sudden the liberals came in and politics just got unbearable for me. And I kind of went dead for a few years and, and just didn't do anything. Amash, uh got elected in Michigan in 2010, I believe. Um, and he got me back interested in politics, his libertarian republicanism. Um, and at that point in time, all the Libertarians I knew were Ron Paul, Amash, Massey, and they were all Republicans. I didn't even know about the Libertarian Party, and so I slowly started getting back into politics as more of a Libertarian Republican. Um, When 16 came around, I was just so disillusioned with how the uh, nomination went and with the fact that the Republicans went all the way to to more of the uh, authoritarian side and picked Trump yeah. I just said, okay, I'm done. I remember May eighth when he beat Ted Cruz in the, uh, I think it was the Indiana primary. I just said, okay, I'm done. I'm I'm out of this party. Um, and I went through and I read every platform of every party out there that I could find, and the Libertarian Party was basically dead on where my belief system was. Um, so I quickly okay. joined the Libertarian Party and and became, um. I was surprised at how willing people were to talk to me, even people that were big in the party. So I talked to Larry Sharp and Austin Peterson really early on in my journey inside the Libertarian Party. And it just got me really interested in that these these folks who were so well known inside the party were so willing to talk to somebody who had just transferred over. Um, and and from there, it just kind of blossomed someday. I'm not afraid to pick up the phone and talk to somebody. And as I started talking to more and more people, I became more and more active in the party.
0: Okay, so it's 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 more recent than I thought it would be.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's been a, in my eyes, it's been a 10-year journey from when Amash got elected till now. Um, but okay. in reality, I only joined the Libertarian Party four years ago. Um, my views slowly over those six years before that were changing over to Libertarian, where I started, you know, I think I wrote in 2012 or 2013, I wrote a article about gay marriage. And and there were some other articles out there as I was slowly changing my positions prior to 2016. And by the time 2016 came along, I realized that I was just no longer a Republican. There was not a place for me in that party.
1: Yeah, that's that's about... I mean, everyone has their own journey through the rabbit hole. And some of them are quicker and some of them are longer. But yeah, mine's Mine started just about in 2016 with Ted Cruz dropping out as well. That's what you said, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was I was
2: helping Cruz out, and and he even was more authoritarian than I liked. But I liked his Five for Freedom plan, uh, which was a libertarian plan. Uh, the rest of the stuff that he supported was pretty um pretty more sort towards the side of Trump. But but his Five for Freedom plan was about as close to libertarianism as I felt like the republicans were putting up i wasn't a big fan of paul even though he calls himself a libertarian i just didn't like um his campaign and and by the time trump got nominated i just said okay guys it's time i'm i'm not going to be in this party for the next eight years well while, while we sure. rule and i'm really <laughs> glad i left because right when he got elected it, it could have gone one of two ways republicans could have revolted and gone back to small government but they didn't they swung all the way to MAGA and I'm really happy I left when I did
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah. oh yeah for sure so uh kind of switching gears a little bit so uh you're running for office right now what yes, influenced you to get uh to get to the point I mean to to run for Oklahoma Corporation Commission
2: yeah it's a great question so and I, my business background has me jumping around from state to state. So I've, never, I've always wanted to run for office. I've never gotten a chance to. Um, and so when I came to Oklahoma, I got much more involved in the Oklahoma Libertarian Party than I was in Ohio. Uh, and I really enjoyed the people here. It was just more welcoming. We're kind of a growing party in Oklahoma. We had just gotten ballot access. <clears throat> Everyone's still pumped up and really trying to work hard on the party. Um, And so I got involved with some great people. Chris Powell ran for governor um, and actually had the most libertarian votes for governor in 18 out of any state. Uh, He then ran in 19 and won a city council seat. Our chair of the party here won a city council seat. We have another at-large member that won a city council seat. So we've got like three elected libertarians who are very active in the party Um, And what we were doing is we were watching this corporate commission, corporation commission seat, uh, because we wanted to find a statewide race that we could qualify for ballot access for the next four years. And all you needed was two and a half percent. And so we knew that this was a seat that we could get ballot access. And there's about a three day filing period in Oklahoma. And as it came to about late in the second day, we realized that, look, there might not be a Democrat that files in this race. Uh, and if there's not a Democrat that files, then we actually have a chance at winning this thing, mm-hmm. not just trying to get two and a half percent.
0: Okay. Um, and so then
2: we all started talking and trying to figure out who should run. And, um, and I actually wasn't putting my name into the conversation. But then they came to me and they said, with your background, you know, we'd really like you to, to take a look at the seat. And I did some hard research for about a day uh and then I said okay let's do it and and we jumped in and no democrat entered so now it's just me and a republican going head to head in a statewide race that's going to have over 1.2 million votes cast
0: wow so so if you could just explain to us what the role of the Oklahoma Corporation Commission is and then what your role would be on that commission
2: sure many states have these commissions not many states are they very powerful but in Oklahoma it is um One of the reasons is because they control the regulations on several industries that they believe are in the uh, realm of public safety, affecting the public good, basically. Um, Oklahoma focuses primarily on oil and gas, transportation, public utilities. And obviously, being an oil and gas state, uh, it's hugely important here. So the decisions these folks make... Uh, affect a ton of the business that goes on in the state hundreds of millions of dollars of the business that goes on in the state is affected by the decisions this corporation makes corporation commission makes on top of that over 25 percent of the state is in the oil and gas sector alone employed in the oil and gas sector alone that's without even counting transportation and public utilities so one out of every four jobs more than one out of every four jobs is impacted every time this corporation commission um, approves or disproves a regulation mm-hmm. request. Um, and so essentially what they are, uh, the bottom line is they approve regulations on these industries or don't approve regulations on these industries. Um, theoretically, they're doing that in the public good, trying to keep people safe. Very often, um, they're doing it for four different reasons.
1: Cool. So. I was reading your platform on your website, um, and I read for every job we eliminate on the commission, we can create a thousand jobs in the Oklahoma economy. So, how does that work? Like, are so are you trying to come in and really slim the slim the commission down?
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. That's a little bit of puffery because you can never uh, you can never basically make that equation. But here's the bottom line: they've got several hundred workers in the commission. I think it's around six, seven hundred folks work for this commission. If you cut it in half, so you had half as many regulations out there, and 25% of Oklahoma that has three million people are working in these industries, it's not unreasonable to think that 300 times a thousand jobs, 300,000 jobs could be created. By taking away these regulations, allowing more small businesses to get in, allowing more innovation. Regulation stops so much investment in companies. So I'm small companies, I run big companies. When there is regulation risk, is what we call it. When we don't know what the government's going to do, we do not invest. Um, and that is across every industry everywhere. If you cannot predict what the government's going to do, you stop investing until you know, because you don't want to put too in and then have the government decide that that was illegal. And so, um, so at the end of the day, if you cut this commission in half and the industry start to realize that there's going to be half as many regulations going forward, that money will start flowing into Oklahoma investments with small businesses. If you lower the hurdle rate to get into a specific industry, more companies will come in and more jobs will come in. And so that's what that's all about is, is it reasonable to think that by cutting the corporation commission in half? You can create 300,000 jobs. Absolutely.
0: Okay. So that, that kind of answers the, at least part of the next question. Uh, like what, what, what exactly are you hoping to accomplish with um, this post? But then also what, what would you say uh, is a best case scenario? What, what are you hoping to get out of this and how are you going to work with the other people on the, on the commission to accomplish that?
2: So I basically have three to the platform. The first one is to cut red tape and that's what we were just talking about. And that's essentially trying to limit the non- regulations they get passed. Second one is really important, and that's stop letting government pick winners and losers. And and when people pass regulations for the wrong reasons or without thinking things through, they can either addly or inadvertently go winner and a loser based on how that regulation is written. Um, it's a really important one that we can touch on. And then the third one is to put Oklahomans back to work. So if I were to get on. Uh, there's one guy, by the way, who's a Republican who thinks very, very similar to me in a lot of these issues. Um, he would he would still be on the commission and there's only three commissioners. So in my eyes, I would be on one side, the, the more authoritarian, larger government Republican would be on the other side, and this guy would kind of be that swing boat in the middle. And he would finally have somebody that he could shift over and, and sit with on these issues and become more libertarian, even if he never wanted to use the word. Um, and and yeah. so I think it's actually a pretty powerful position to be in right. where we could actually enact change and start to put the rule of thumb in place that they, every regulation needs to pass two rules to pass. One, it has to be in the uh, in the need for public safety. If it's not for public safety, then it doesn't pass. And then, two, if it's written in a way that it affects one industry or subsegment better than another and advantages them in a way that isn't necessary, then that doesn't pass either. So, you need to write all regulations in a way that it helps public safety and levels the playing field every time and doesn't pick winners and losers. And if you start to only pass those regulations, you're probably not even talking about 50%. You're probably talking about, you know, in the single digits, wind up getting passed as it should be.
1: Right. Awesome. So, so you grew up here, right? In Oklahoma?
2: Uh, no, I actually grew up in Michigan. Oh, you said that earlier. It's yeah. my bad. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I've actually only been in Oklahoma for a couple of
1: years. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Sorry about that.
0: No, I that's okay. I don't know why I thought you were here longer than that, because I remember I used to follow on my old Twitter account that I got rid of like last year. Um, I had followed you a few years ago. Um, and then like last year, I think I realized, oh, he's in Oklahoma, but I just thought it was yeah <laughs> <been here> longer. <laughs> well, I think, um, I
2: think what it probably is is when I was in Ohio, I was not very involved in the Ohio party. I had tried, okay. um, and we just never – we just never could hook up the right way in the Ohio party. And I never got very involved when I got to Oklahoma, everybody was much more welcoming and we just kind of dove in head first. And, And so I think once I got to Oklahoma, I started talking a lot more about the state party than I ever had before because I was more involved. So right now I'm the regional chair, the Tulsa regional chair for the Oklahoma Libertarian Party.
0: Right. Yeah, I did see that. I think so. One of the things I think that I noticed um I don't know if you remember this but back when quarantine was just starting yeah um David Holt made some snarky remark about libertarians on the internet yeah. talking about how quarantine isn't necessary and you you called him out for it yeah um and I was and I realized you probably did that cuz you're in Oklahoma
2: right <laughs> yeah he um he came out, it was probably you know halfway through quarantine or something, and he came out and said, I know all these online libertarians are telling you that they know everything and blah, blah, blah. And, and what I said to him was, listen, the Libertarian Party of Oklahoma canceled our um, state convention prior to uh, Governor Stitt putting in place his quarantine or putting in places um, stay at home, even putting in place state of emergency. We did it to Trump putting in place a state of emergency. And the point of it was, is we looked at the data and said, crap, this is going to get bad. We want to keep our people safe. We don't need a yeah. government to tell us to do it. We as a private organization are going to go ahead and delay this to June. So ours is now at the end of June. When, when all the doctors were saying it was gonna be better. But the week that we made that decision, there were still, Governor Stitt was out there showing a picture of himself in a crowded restaurant telling everyone to go out. Right. Trump was still telling people that it was gonna to go to zero in no time. And the point was is if the government had been honest with us, we could have probably handled this without a quarantine. And then because they weren't,
0: they had this dramatic David Hall. it's the same with That's David awesome. Hall. David Holt, like the week before he started pushing quarantine stuff, he tweeted a picture that he was at, I think, at Ashburn's or something. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, is everyone just forgetting about this? Exactly. And that was, I,
2: I, that was my point when he, when he did that, because he started yeah. trying to blame libertarians. And I'm like, no, no, no. Libertarians right. have been canceling things voluntarily for longer than you guys have even told us we had a problem. And now what we're saying is, let people make their own decision now that the truth is actually out there, let people make their own decision. That's different than, you know, not telling everyone the truth and then getting mad that they don't want to stay inside anymore. You know?
0: Yeah. I, you know, you don't have to respond to this if you don't want to, but I personally cannot stand David Holt. (laughs) I think, um, you know, his, uh, you know, we can pat him on the back for finally for having you know being a Republican mayor that will go to the gay pride parade, but like, I am sorry, that's just not enough. When you look at how much of a showboating opportunist this guy is, I i don't i don't like or respect him at all. Um, but you know, whatever that that when you call him out for that, I, I that was when, that was kind of like the thing that really the straw that broke the camel's back. You could say that really just pushed me into not liking him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he
2: it was just it was an unnecessary comment. I didn't understand what he thought he would gain from kicking libertarians, but on top of that it was just completely inaccurate in his own state, libertarians acted before they did. You know, and and acted more appropriately. And then now, given the information we know now, we're saying, Okay, now it's time to lift the quarantine because it was. (laughs) So
1: Oh, absolutely. I definitely. Um, So before we stray too far from like elections, that type of stuff, what I know you were, you were for, you were kind of pushing for uh, Jacob Hornberger and I, I was as well. I was, I was a fan of him, Um, but we got Joe Jorgensen. So what are your thoughts on the, the recent nomination process and of her platform? What do you think?
2: Sure. So, uh, yeah, I was on Jacob's senior team. Um, and so I was a big fan. I had talked to all the candidates, except for Joe, actually, to be fair, in late um, 2019. Jacob joined and I got him on the phone and, and he just kind of got out of the way. And the biggest thing I asked him was, you know, why why would you want to put a plan? And I did this a little bit facetiously, but he didn't know me very well at the time. But. Why do you want to put out a platform out there that's so wildly libertarian um, that it'll just shock people versus put out something that is um, that is more middle? And Jacob gave a great answer you know, about how you teach people what libertarian it is. It's how we stick to our principles. It's how people start to learn whether or not they like this methodology. And so I jumped on board with him as I really liked it. And it became for me a nomination of the principled strong libertarian views versus the mid-libertarians. And as the nomination went forward, Joe really followed and really joined Jacob and John Mann's principled strong libertarian proposals where they didn't and Adam too, they didn't stray from libertarian views just to dumb it down for like or two or to try to get that middle of the road vote. And and so by the time the election came, I was a delegate, so I was in the um it was pretty clear it was gonna be Jacob and Joe at the end. So at the end had a lot more votes than Jacob and how it played out and and in at the end of the day, let's put it at the end of the day, it's probably a great decision. Um, Jacob is, you know, seventy year old white guy is other seventy year old white guy. Joe, Joe is different. She's got very similar ideas, talks about libertarianism in a different way. Um, She has some great analogies that she uses. She's a professor. So she's used to speaking to people with and getting her points across and keeping people's attention. Um, And frankly, she's been a libertarian for 20 plus years in a a serious capacity. Um, There's nothing about her platform. That i'm not comfortable with and there's nothing in the way that she speaks now uh if you had asked me in q1 when she was a little more timid on the trail i would have heard something different but she really beat the last few months and i'm pretty excited about about her nomination i also supported spike larry sharp uh dropped and i and i think this will be an interesting story, right there's lots of pros and cons with spike um but in my opinion he, he is also a very good communicator and communicates to a different uh group of folks which is pretty much Gen x y and z and i think that it's going to be interesting to see how effective he is in that um i would like to see him kind of fall into joe's campaign more than running his own and i hope that that happens um but i do like the the idea of a of a young guy and a age woman both of them very, very libertarian, Spike being more anarchist and Joe being more principled. I just like this pairing a lot. And I think a lot of people are going to learn about what libertarianism is. Whereas in 2016, more about just having people vote for somebody who wasn't Trump right. or Clinton.
0: Does oh, that yeah. make sense? Definitely. Um, so switching gears a little bit now, um, talking about, quarantine and, and social distancing over the last few weeks, we've kind of seen the opposite happening uh, with yeah. large gatherings uh, of protests and, and riots. So um, what what would you say your, your thoughts are about that, whether you think um, they're going to be net good or net bad once some more time passes? What are, you, what are your thoughts?
2: Well, here's, here's what I can say for sure. We not had multiple weeks of protests and or riots we would not be talking about george floyd weeks afterwards but we are right this second talking about george floyd um we would not have had the news come out that another young man in oklahoma city died mm-hmm. after saying i can't breathe you know what i mean we would not be talking about don't. other guys around the country who have died in 2019 in similar circumstances so there, the the protests, while I do not like rioting, the fact that the protests have gone on so long and have expanded to so many cities has brought to light several incidents and has started a conversation that we haven't had before when these things have happened. Um so I am a hundred percent in favor of of any First Amendment activity, by the way, whether I agree with it or not but I happen to agree with this one that it's an overdue conversation and I think that it's helping. I think the rioting, I think I made a made a about this. If I had been in Minnesota, myself, I would have had a gun outside my shop protecting it from the rioters. But the minute that the Minnesota guard came in and started attacking the rioters, I would have been out there with them. And that's my view it is. You have to, a personal problem, but um, the first amendment is more important than whether or not you agree with the uh with the sentiment and i happen to agree with the sentiment anyway
0: right so then what what would what are your thoughts on this movement to um defund police departments we have minneapolis the city council of minneapolis saying that they are uh disbanding the police department and creating something new Yep. Um, so so as, as we look at that and as you know especially libertarians explore the concept of a privatized police force what are yep. your thoughts on that yeah and I've made a
2: lot of comments on this I in my eyes this is all a good conversation I, have, um, I believe that New Jersey actually defund their police department several years ago uh, when they yep. decided that it was beyond um, so they defunded it completely in a new police department and, and built it from scratch uh, that Form of defunding, and I think that's the one that Minnesota is talking about. Some people are talking dramatic defunding, um, which is more where my head is, where we rethink how we do police departments in general. So, for example, if you have a manager and they are covering a large area of um, population that they're to, they can be much more efficient with their overhead. Then if you have a small that's selling to this city and another small manufacturer that's selling to this city. Well, every little city in rural Oklahoma has a police department and a jail and three to five cop cars and three to five cops. And the question is, is if you took those cities and put it together under and had a private force in all five cities, would they need one jail or two jails instead of five? 12 cops instead of five times five cities? You know, would people start paying less taxes and hiring enough police officers that they could end up um, going after crimes that have victims rather than looking for something to do? Firefighters don't drive around town looking for the next fire or hoping to find the next fire. They get called and then they go out. You know, if, if, were strategically located and were just waiting for calls so that they could react quickly rather than trying to find people to find and arrest you know would this be a better system i think that's the form of funding the police that i would like that's the conversation i would like to see not necessarily in the big cities they can defund form but in the rural communities and the suburbs what can that look like that can tax dollars and right-sized police departments and that's my form of privatized you know you end up getting somebody that has sonies and it's a private company and they do something wrong you fire them you move to a different private company that that has a better record or that offers a better value to the tech
1: right yeah I, and meanwhile i mean as we're having this conversation um I've been seeing stuff on Twitter like, uh, you know, defund means so and so. You know, defund means we're putting more money yeah. into this other program, and it's yeah. like, why can't we ever yeah. just defund something or privatize <laughs> like something?
0: Actually,
1: defund. Like, we've been right about a lot. Us, uh, us, liberty folk have been right about a lot, especially recently. Um, so it's like, why can't, <laughs> why can't our, our. Yeah our uh, our ideas be entertained every once in a while and that's why I'm super glad you're running um you're running for office here in Oklahoma
2: yeah No, i'm I'm very excited about it and even my wife said you know we should put that money towards education or something like that like well it'd be nice to put it right back in our pockets like I'd pay prefer to stop paying to get pulled over once every month you know what I mean like that's not fun for me to get somebody to pull me over for basically no reason and then let me go because it was only eight over you know that seems like a big waste of time yeah. and yeah. waste of my tax dollars
0: um,
2: so yeah no, I'm, I am I mean I think we have to get out of this you know tit-for-tat wait well, balanced budget amendment always crazy balancing balancing out certain bills always me crazy we don't need every bill to be we need to start cutting stuff and not adding stuff so that the budget goes down and down and down and yeah. people get more money in their pocket.
0: Yeah.
1: So what are some of your favorite things about Oklahoma now that you've been here for a few years?
2: Yeah, I mean, I actually really like the way I lived in a, a few different places. I prefer the hot weather. I don't mind um, the storm weather. It's been kind of fun. Um, enjoy Tulsa, not deep Tulsa, but more like the Tulsa James and Bixby. I enjoy uh, just the little around that they got, you know, 10 15,000 people and have fun, fun little areas of town um, that are well-built and, and fun to go to. And you can just spend a day, you know, over at Riverwalk and stuff like that. Um, so that's pretty much what I've done. We do museums like that. But for the most part, I've got four little kids, them all under seven. Um, so when, I'm, when I'm not working, I'm usually with them.
0: Okay, so uh, what do you? You're, you're closer to Tulsa than Oklahoma City, right? Yeah, I living in Bixby, so I'm
2: uh, I'm about two miles from Tulsa.
0: I think. Okay, so are you going to the Trump rally on the nineteenth? I uh, know I'm not. I'm <laughs> not
2: <laughs> planning to go.
0: That's <a> same. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll wrap this up with a couple a couple more questions. What what are some of your your favorite follows on Twitter? Some some fellow libertarians, or maybe even not libertarians, for some of our listeners to follow. Yeah, my favorite uh,
2: by far is Jen, uh, the Wizard. I'm sure you guys probably know her. Do you? Yeah. Which one is it? Morgan MJ the Wizard. Oh yeah! Um, oh yeah! Oh, She's yeah to this Gen Z audience in a way that it's just amazing. She, gets, you know, she sprinkles 30 tweets along with Gen Z tweets with just random thoughts, but it's, it keeps people engaged. She gains followers crazy. And and her Liberty tweets are by far the most um, the most replied to. And it's it just always amazes me. It's like if I had started in the Liberty movement at that age, you know what I could, 20 years later so i really really enjoy following her Barrowski. another one that i really like um and she's so funny she's mostly librarian and then sometimes republican it's really interesting to watch her kind of battle herself um she stands on issues and she'll post things like hey tell me why you think this is a good idea and it'll be a libertarian idea Where she's kind of challenging libertarians to change her mind, you know? And and so I really enjoy watching her as well. And then my last one, I'd probably say, is Mark Pellegrino. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with him. He is the, uh, he is an actor in Hollywood, but he was on Supernatural. He is the founder, he is the founder of the American Capitalist Party and the American Capitalist Party is just getting started, and they're really, really close to libertarianism. Most um, libertarians are, are a little too theoretical, and a little too um, kind of optimal space, camera open, uh, and he practical. But what I would say is that the two parties are so close together. Uh, he is a great follow. He makes great tweets, and, and he will actually debate people. And I have never met somebody, I can say this, i never met more um, people in Hollywood, for sure. They're as smart as Mark. He is a brilliant guy. Um, and I've gone head to head and lost many times. and
1: Don't feel like you have to answer ours. But what's <laughs> your, what are some of your favorite podcasts that you've been on so far? I've heard you on Friends Against Government. Uh, I don't know what else, what's your, what like you have a favorite?
2: Um, friends, the government, real big fan. Um, I've been on them a couple of different times, uh, probably three or four. Um, Brian Nichols was a great interview a couple of times. I like Brian. He's just a genuinely good guy. Oh, yeah, good. yeah. Um, uh, yeah, Jen, the Liberty is really good. If you want to go deep into issues and actually, um, and actually go deep into the issues rather than just rail on, on the two major parties. Um, I like Jen, um, those are probably the three kind of best ones that I've been on, um, next year or two, I would say. Mm.
0: So do you have any, uh, podcasts that you would want to recommend or any, uh, books that you're reading right now, especially the specific uh, libertarianism?
2: You just uh, Mises' book um, called The Theory of and Credit. Um, that is going to be a slow read, so I would, I would recommend to tread lightly on that one. You've got to be really <laughs> wanting to learn about uh, Mises' economic theory. Um, but I can knock that one out. Um, obviously, my favorite one to tell anybody who's thinking libertarianism or getting into it is always to look at um, Don't Hurtle. Don't Steal Their Stuff by Matt Kibbe. I just love that book. I love Matt. Just a great, great book. i start you off on your journey. Um, Those are probably my favorite kind of non-fiction one that just gets you thinking. Really fast read, uh, but really really interesting, and it will get you to start looking at things a different way, is Anne Rand's uh, uh, Anthem. Not a lot of I've actually read them. It's probably only 30 or 50 pages. Um, fantastic. I mean, I was blown away. I've read it probably five times because it's short. Uh, and it just it makes you think about some of you're seeing every day in a completely different way. And um, that is a great book if you're just trying to get somebody to read something on the airport, airplane, and think about libertarianism a couple hours. And it could change the way they look at a lot of stuff.
0: All right, could definitely keep that in mind. Um, all right, if you want to plug your pluggables, what's your website? Uh, anywhere they can find, anywhere people can find you on Twitter, on social media. Sure,
2: I'm um, toddhagopian. dot com. My campaign site. You can contribute to me there. You can offer to help, or you can just check out what the campaign's all about. Uh, at Todd Hagopian on Twitter, uh, living in chief, but it's at Todd Hagopian. And then um, Todd Hagopian for Corporation and Todd Hagopian for Oklahoma Corporation on Facebook and official libertarian in chief on, um, on uh, uh, Instagram.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. This was a really great conversation.
1: Yeah. Yes, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time. And everyone vote for Todd. Yes.
2: Yes. (laughs) Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. This was fun.
0: All right. Take care. Hey guys, thanks for listening to this week's interview with Todd. Remember, you can find us on Twitter at Pod or email us sepereaudepod at gmail.com. We will be back next week with a new episode. Until then, have a great week. day is a production from Gaudium. For fun, for future.
1: Hosted by me, Aaron
0: Johnson. And me, Dylan Shoup. See you again next time.